Hello and welcome to another special edition of Crown Conversations. I am your host, Robin, and joining me today, we have a very, very special guest, former Jewels from the Crown blogger, Shang Peng. Shang, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Robin, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, glad you could join us on this very fine and lovely Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah, well, that's... Oh, you know what? It's actually sunny outside in San Francisco. I looked outside. I thought it was great. I've been inside all day watching my fantasy football team tank. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, fantasy is always difficult. My fantasy hockey is doing very poorly. But admittedly, I don't know what I'm doing in fantasy. So, um, well, let's well, talk. Well, you're only a hockey writer, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> Although I have, I know a lot of people who are excellent at fantasy. I'm like, huh? Mm-hmm. How are you so good at this? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of fantasy, it's a fantasy of mine that the Sharks missed the playoffs this year. See what I did there? Okay, I'm not that funny. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the Sharks. Um, well, it could happen. Your fantasy. <laughs> I don't. The Sharks are. They perplex me so much because they have these really great games followed by these really big stinkers. And then I mm-hmm. like they're like they're worse than the Kings in terms of inconsistency. And I'm just like, what what are you doing? I really don't know what to make of the Sharks on paper. They look good. But then you see it play out and you're like, hmm, maybe it's not that good. Yeah, I, I think with the Sharks the their their high end players you know we're talking about their star players Eric Carlson Brent Burns Logan Couture Thomas Hurdle guys like that they're uh, they're stacked you know so when we talk about looking at paper you see those guys at first those guys are still excellent building blocks for a team the problem is that the middle class of the team uh, is not very good right now unlike last year last year they had a lot of depth uh, this year the middle class of the team basically uh, between the Eric Carlson's uh, and the fourth liners, right? The middle class, the, 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 the third liners, guys like that, not as strong this year, especially up front forward. Uh, guys like Joe Thornton, Marcus Sorensen, who formed the backbone of the third line last year for San Jose, they haven't been as good this year. And so that's one big problem. And then we get to the, the, the 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 continued fact from last year that Martin Jones and Aaron Dell still haven't been able to provide consistent goaltending. 
Let's talk about our old friend, Martin Jones. Uh, For anybody who needs a recap, Martin Jones was not drafted, but he was in the Kings system for a long time, finally came up, backed up quick, and then it looked for all intents and purposes that he was going to be too good to keep around. So he got dealt to Boston and was immediately turned around and dealt to San Jose, which was really just a, a knife gut or I don't. I don't even know what I'm saying. It hurt. It was like <laughs> pain in the A knife in the gut. What? A knife in the gut. Yes, knife in the gut. I, I feel betrayed by Boston. Uh, Dean Lombardi asked him, he's like, please don't trade him back into our back into our division. And he did it anyway. So thanks a lot, Bruce Cassidy. Wait, that's the coach. I don't know who's the DM. GM. Uh, that was uh, Don Sweeney, I think. Uh, Don Sweeney, thank you. I get all I get all these names mixed up, but anyway. So Martin Jones has been back in our division for the last few years. Milan Lucic is no longer part of the team, and Martin Jones, he's very—I don't want to say not good—but he's very polarizing in the fan base, in the Sharks fan base. I think it's fair to say that he hasn't been very good in the last year and a quarter. Uh, before that, you know, there there might be arguments ranging from below average to good. I'm talking about uh, 2015 through 2018, the three years, uh, uh, the first three years he was in San Jose. But overall, though, I think people were were pretty okay with Martin Jones. Pretty pretty uh, pretty pleased overall with Martin Jones. Uh, but the last uh, year and a quarter. Uh, I think uh, sentiment has turned against him. The statistics have turned against him. There's not really a strong argument for him uh, over the last year and a quarter in terms of uh, his play. Aaron Dell, world's okayest goalie. So does that make uh, Martin Jones world's not okayest goalie? Well, yeah. So that's sort of the problem, too, that uh, with Jones's uh, decline in the last year and a quarter, uh, Dell hasn't been very good either. Uh, in the previous years, uh, Dell has been able to uh, – in the previous years, Dell was an excellent backup, you know, posted uh, 920 save percentages for a couple of years running. Very good for a backup. But with Jones faltering in, in the last little bit, Dell has had a chance to step up and to take – more of a role, but uh, he hasn't really run with uh, the opportunities that he's been given. This is a very serious question, but have the Sharks considered getting a goalie? <laughs> you know that 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 they they must have. I mean, they're they're seeing what we're seeing. Uh, they say that they haven't, but I don't believe them. Uh, but I understand why they would say that they have not really looked. I mean, look, yeah, Martin Jones signed till twenty twenty four. Uh, what is your what is your best solution toward good goaltending without ruining your salary cap? It's to try to get Jones back back to the place that he was at a couple of years ago. And so, if you're dogging him in the press all the time, if Peter put the worst killing him, you know, after every bad goal, like a, a la like a Mike Keenan or something like that. If Doug Wilson is 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 talking about how he wants to, you know, uh, upgrade his goaltending in any every interview, that just is counterproductive toward trying to get the guy that you have signed till 2024 back in the right place. Yeah, I guess it also at the same time tanks his trade value. Well, it doesn't help either, but I don't think the trade value is uh, affected by that because the teams can see the same thing that, that we're all seeing. It's not like, uh, I mean, there might be a, a couple of uh, a scouts or 
uh, goaltending coaches or whatever who think that they can, you know, they can work with Jones easily and get him back in place. So in that way, his value isn't uh, is isn't that low to these guys. But we're all seeing the same thing. We're all seeing the same kind of substandard performance from Martin Jones. So I don't think I think I think that's a little immaterial. What 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 Doug Wilson says. I think it's more about just. Uh, you know, uh, 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 trying to keep uh, Jones's faith, his confidence up in himself. And so hopefully it, it turns around, um, but I don't know. It's, 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 it's been, uh, it's been a, a year and a quarter in running. So. I know you're not like a goalie person, but any ideas what it would take to get Jones kind of back up to where he was? Uh, trade him back to the 2014 Kings. <laughs> <laughs> so he misses yeah. he misses having a really solid defense in front of him, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it hasn't helped uh, that San Jose, uh, you know, they've got more offensive in the last year and a quarter. And that, of course, coincides with acquiring Eric Carlson. It's that's it's not that's not to uh, throw uh, a wood on the fire of, of Eric Carlson. Say, you know, a lot of people like to talk about Eric Carlson not being a good defensive player. And they're 100 percent wrong about that. Eric Carlson is a good defensive defenseman. Um, but. Nonetheless, though, they are more offensive, adding a guy like like Eric Carlson, adding him with a Brent Burns. So now you have two uh, more aggressive uh, uh, offensive defensemen on, on your team. And so that leads to uh, maybe a couple more chances going the other way, maybe a couple rush chances, that sort of thing. And Jones hasn't been able to to stop enough of those. And as we know, it's just a few goals that you know ruin your save percentage. Uh, you know, like 15 saves uh, one year that, that you don't make, you know, that that's what kills your save percentage kind of. So, so, so we have a little bit of, of, of that effect, I think. Um, and I, I think also too, that uh, Jones, it's something that I talked to a, a former angel goaltender about recently. Uh, Jones, uh, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, Jones is uh, actually one of the best penalty killing goalies in the league. Hmm. Uh, right now, his uh, save percentage at uh, four uh, four on five, you know, PK is like ninety three percent or something like that, and his like five on five save percentage is like eighty seven percent, something like that. It's not those aren't exact numbers, but it is that disparity is it, it's it's uh, that's a rough uh, rough description of disparity. Even last year, uh, last year uh, I think he had like a eight eighty eight five on five save percentage. And it was like uh, just a few, like just a little bit higher than his. So basically, he was last in the league in five on five save percentage last year, uh, but he was in the top third in in PK save percentage. Um, over since he joined the Sharks in 2015, uh, his uh, his uh, PK save percentage I, I think is top ten. Top ten in, in in the league, and so anyway, I talked to former Angel Goldener about this. Like, why is you know how can this guy be so good uh, killing penalties? Uh, you know, you think that actually that, and both, and it, it, this is the case with most goalies. Your save percentage should be much worse on the PK because well, you're at a disadvantage, of course, right? You have you're one man, you're one man short, and so why has Jones been able to, to sustain even when he struggled at five on five? Why has he been able to, to sustain? his uh his pk save percentage and so this former angel goaltender said that well on a pk you know there's a predictability 
to 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 uh, killing penalties when you're a goalie. You know, most most teams uh, run basically the same power play. Uh, you have you know the guy in the high slot. You have two guys uh, along mm-hmm. the wall. You have your net front guy. You have your guy at the point. So guys, so so the guys who are going to be shooting at you are basically in the same place. And so you know that when let's say John Carlson is 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 uh, passing it from 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 the point uh, across the ice. Where is it probably going? It's probably going to Alex Ovechkin on the on the on the left the, at, at the left dot, and so there's sort of a predictability, you know, kind of set plays on the power play that that you could kind of anticipate. And so Jones, uh, in in this uh, in this former NHL goaltender's uh, perspective, that's something that Jones does well with. Uh, Jones also uh, does well with. Um, uh, trying, trying to try to try to remember uh, what uh, w- what this uh, guy said, but um, uh, actually my last article for Fear to Finn, and it's about well, one of the one of the, the 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 questions I try to answer is why is Martin Jones' save percentage so good on a PK uh, as opposed to so bad at five on five, and so I already mentioned that there's a predictability on the power play that um, you know most teams have the same setup on a power play that Jones is able to read, that most goalies are able to read. And so Jones is, is good at that. Um, also, too, the, the, uh, the former goaltender, NHL goaltender that I talked to, also said that Jones is pretty conservative with his positioning, right? And we saw this in L.A. So he's not going to be out there aggressively attacking the puck. And so that means that he probably should do well on the lateral plays that are going to happen on the power play, the, the cross slot passes, that sort of thing. And so those might be some of the reasons why Jones has been uh, good on the penalty kill and not so good on, on the power play in recent years. So what you're saying is the Sharks should just play shorthanded all the time. Well, this year, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, the exact number is Jones's save percentage at four on five uh, before yes uh, last night's game against Islanders, but it was uh, nine twenty four, and his five on five was eight sixty nine. Wow! Yeah, that's, so that's good. I want to make a nice joke, but that's so bad I can't even make a nice joke. Yeah, it's just it, it just it's just weird, right? Yeah, you you would you would think it'd be the reverse, obviously, but. So you mentioned that Eric Carlson is another polarizing figure in the Sharks fan base. It seems uh-huh. like a lot of not inte- not uh, studious, shall we say. <laughs> I don't want to completely insult the fan, the Sharks fan base, but a lot of Sharks fans who who aren't like watching them aren't looking at the stats or whatever they really favor a guy like brent burns who's grizzly who looks like he's doing a lot of things but a lot of people who are you know they'll look at the stats they'll look beyond just their their eye test which as we all know has a lot of bias in it it's they they kind of brent burns has a tendency to make a lot more hype he makes a lot more mistakes but I guess maybe Eric Carlson makes more high-profile mistakes. Would you say that's accurate? No, I uh, actually would have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that if that's even fair to the to the fan base. I mean, look, like uh, uh, in, in late October, uh, uh, Ray Ferraro, uh, Jeff O'Neill on uh, Jeff O'Neill's radio show, they they barbecued Eric Carlson after that game in Ottawa. 
I think Ray Farrell said that he didn't, he doesn't look interested. Uh, Jeff O'Neill said uh, Eric Carlson wasn't even trying. So it's not just the, um, not not just the fans. Um, it's it's also you know uh, Ray Faro, you know one of the most respected uh, commentators uh, in, in our game. I don't necessarily agree with what they said, but uh, this isn't just a simple uh, oh the fans like uh, are you know impressed with with Brett Burns's hair or something like that. Uh, <laughs> Brett Burns gets 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 killed too much uh, from from the other side too. Brett Burns is also a guy who can play defense. Um, he has some problems defensively, you know, there's a lot of nuance in there, you know, but he is, uh, I, I've, I've said this since, since last year, uh, from watching these guys every night, I would say Eric Carlson is a good defensive defenseman, just good, not great. Uh, Eric Carlson, uh, if you want to look specifically at his weaknesses, Eric Carlson can be bodied off the puck easily. Eric Carlson isn't a, isn't a, you know, a large physical player. You know, he just he just isn't. You know, that's not that's nothing against him. That's just not uh, how he's literally built. So Eric Carlson can lose one-on-one physical battles if he gets caught in the, in the wrong place. the The reason Carlson's able to mitigate it a lot with his with his skating, with his uh, superior hockey sense. So a lot of times Carlson can skate and get in the way with people. He can skate so well and get in front of the bigger players, and and so that's 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 how Carlson gets by defensively. Uh, and uh, speaking of Brent Burns, what Brent Burns does defensively, yes, we've seen the highest with Brent Burns. You know, Brent Burns uh, uh, looking in the wrong place and then a goal was scored. We, we, you know, Drew Dowdy, we know what Drew Dowdy said last year about Brent Burns, getting beat 20 times a game. But <laughs> if you watch Burns, though, uh, uh, if you watch Burns closely, though, and there are stats to pick, micro stats to back this up, uh, Burns has a terrific stick. You know, Burns uh, being 6'4", he has a long stick and he uses, uses it well. Uh, his gap control is really good. It's really tough to beat Burns one-on-one when you're trying to cross a blue line. And it's not because Burns is, is, is grizzly and has long hair. It's because Burns is good legitimately at that aspect of defense. Um, but it's not to say, and I'm not trying to say that, that, that Brent Burns is a great defensive defenseman. I would just consider him okay. What Burns doesn't do well uh, is I think Burns puck watches a lot. It, Burns doesn't always pick up his coverage that well, which is a pretty basic thing in, in defense. And so I, I, I know I, I can see why people uh, really get upset at Burns and, and really trash him for that because, you know, picking up your man is, you know, one of the, 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 the most important and basic uh, concepts uh, of, of defense. And Burns does, does kind of puck watch sometimes. He gets, he gets lost kind of at times. And so that's to me his his greatest weakness. But I, I think both those guys, both both uh, Carlson and Burns, uh, discussions about their game, their overall game. Uh, number one, the most important thing is their overall impact, and that's one thing that we would probably agree on, right? And that's why Eric Carlson, despite his uh, legitimate defensive shortcomings, uh, like I said, he does have defensive shortcomings. Uh, his overall impact when you know when he's at his best is is arguably greater than any other defenseman in the game. Uh, the same goes for Brent Burns. Brent Burns, yes, does have defensive shortcomings, but his overall impact as a defenseman on the game is greater than almost every other defenseman in the game except for maybe his teammate, Eric Carlson. And, but both of them suffer from, how do you say it, uh, uh, a lack of nuance uh, uh, for people who are trying to criticize them. Uh, both both uh, Carlson and Burns, in my opinion, 
But if you look at them with with nuance, uh, they're both uh, terrific uh, all around defensemen. And I don't think I don't see them as being the problems on on these shark teams uh, or on on this current Sharks team that's uh, struggling a bit. Uh, they haven't been great to start the year, uh, both of them. But the 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 talent they, the talent the, the, the talent is to, is it still appears to be there, even though both of them are, are getting a bit older. I think a lot of it is just uh, like I alluded to earlier, uh, the the forwards uh, on on San Jose. The middle class of forwards. Uh, I look at San Jose's uh, forward group right now, how they're performing. I've said this before, but San Jose has you know five legitimate top six forwards. That's nice, and then they have a bunch of guys who are playing like fourth liners, who are either fourth liners or playing like fourth liners, and that includes Joe Thornton. So that's that's my overall uh, thought about the Sharks team. So do they shine more on special teams or at five on five? Because I've seen criticism of Eric Carlson getting beaten foot races. And that was always supposed to be kind of his claim to fame. Like he could outskate you basically. Right. Right. And so that's, that's the nuance. And that's, that's where I sharply disagreed with uh, what, you know, Ferraro and O'Neill said on, on the show. And I actually did a story about this a couple of weeks ago. I talked to a uh, Dr. David Geyer. Uh, he's a uh, orthopedic surgeon. He's a sports medicine specialist. Uh, he practices in, um, I think in the Carolina area, but you know, Carlson, Carlson of course had, had, had groin surgery over, over the summer. And, Carlson, Carlson, the Carlson's main strength, as he alluded to, is his skating. And so a guy like Carlson, who isn't the biggest guy, right? If he loses one of the greatest strengths of his game, he loses even a little bit of it, a fraction of it. Um, then, then he's, then you're going to see him get beat to pucks that you wouldn't usually see him get, get, get beat to. And so that's why I reject, and I always, I usually reject this with players. It's really hard to say a guy doesn't care. Um, you know, I, I, in, in most cases I've seen guys care, they care a lot, but there's other things that are holding, holding them back from their, their, uh, top performance. Uh, and in this case with, with Eric, there seems to be a good chance based on, uh, doctor, what Dr. Geyer said that even though Carlson has nothing, you know, if, if they, if they did an MRI on his groin or whatever, like he'd be, he, he's fine, you know, he, he's fine, but he's, he's still recovering. It takes, uh, according to Dr. Geyer, six months to a year to really, you know, be fully firing uh, in, in, in all areas with your skating, with the kind of injury that Carlson had. Um, at least that's his, that's his, you know, informed, educated speculation. And Carlson had the surgery in, I believe, uh, late June. So right now we're about at the five, the, the, the five month, five month point. So if we're still talking about Eric Carlson skating and it's still looking like this, say six months from now, then okay, then 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 we have maybe something else is going on. It's not it's not uh, you know a kind of a uh, slow recovery from injury. So it seems like he's I don't know still kind of I don't want to say ramping up, but he's getting there. So how? It's, it's, it seems like, because you said about minimum six months, so let's give it that six months, which puts him very close to being 100%. So let's just call it, I don't know, 80%. Even mm-hmm. at 
how does Eric Carlson really change the dynamic offensively of this Sharks team? Well, Eric Carlson still, even with, let's say, let's say that there's been like a 3%, 5% drop in his, in his skating. Uh, Eric Carlson's other great strength is just how smart he is in the game, how patient he is with the puck. And so countless times still, even when he's playing his worst, you know, uh, Carlson will absorb two four checkers. And if he's absorbing two four checkers while holding the puck, that means that there's going to be an open man somewhere. And more times than not, Eric is going to find an open man. And so he creates so much space, so much space for uh, his uh, everybody else on the ice, his teammates. And even with you know this sort of uh, 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 diminished skating at times, and I do want to, uh, I should, I should uh, uh, emphasize too with this with this sort of diminished skating. You know, uh, according to Dr. Geyer, it's kind of injury that even in 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 a game within a game, sometimes. Things will be firing, and Eric's going to look like the you know the Eric Carlson of old. Uh, but even with the same game, sometimes you know just things don't feel right, and he's 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 going to look. He's not going to look great. He's going to look like an old player. So this is all within the same game. So I just, I just want to kind of remind you, remind you, uh, the listeners of that that it's not necessarily a uh, even in game you're going to see maybe some 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 plays where he looks a little bit off. But anyway, though. Yeah, uh, like I said, he he creates so much space, and even with his sort of uh, you know not sure where he's at with his uh, groin surgery recovery. I I was looking something I looked at early in the season. Um, he is still as he has been for his his entire career, as far as I can tell, still incredible at getting the zone on the power play. Uh, you still see him, you know, carrying the puck in, and he's just gliding. And he's gliding and no one is attacking him. None of the penalty killers are up on him because they know if they step up too much on him, he's going to find the open man. And so you still see, uh, especially offensively, just uh, the, the, the flashes are there. And so that's why, again, like I said, I'm not too worried about him. I'm not too worried about Brent Burns. I think that those guys are fine. It's the other parts of the, the San Jose uh, team uh, that I think are a concern. So let's talk about that middle class. Some of the um, players that Kings fans may be a little bit less familiar with, but they might see this name kind of floating around on Twitter. Uh, Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc, and then you mentioned um, Sorensen. Uh, Patrick Marlowe is back. There's also Melker Carlson. A lot of kind of eh players. Um... I don't know, but what do you mean by, by eh? <laughs> well, I mean, they're... I guess they're just based on... I'm just going based on my Twitter feed, which, you know, mm. maybe is not the best thing. But it just kind of seems like... Or at least I've seen... Timo Meyer seems impactful, but M- Melker Carlson, I don't really think... I haven't... Even in the games that I've watched... I don't think he's noticeable. Okay, well, speaking with Melker, because Melker is is a is a favorite, and he's actually a, a, another part of the sort of the the lack of nuance arguments that I I I I, I see a lot. Um, Melker is a good foot soldier, right? He's a little bit overpaid. He makes two million a year. He probably he shouldn't be paid that that much, um, but he's a really good penalty killer. He is reliable 
winning battles. Watch him, watch him go one on one battles. He's always in there, and he wins. He wins his share of them. And so he's he's a guy that I have no issue with with the sharks sharks playing. I know that you know I I, I look at the same uh, same uh, underlying stats and that that sort of thing. But those stats, I mean, I think. If we should learn anything over the years uh, from these kind of stats, these these stats are uh, how do you say it? Uh, they have the limitations, right? And we're still trying to figure out those limitations, sure. But I wouldn't throw a player like Marco Carlson under the bus just because uh, just because it, his Corsi, his you know Corsi relative, you know they're they're not great. His expected goals not great. Uh, Melker is a good foot soldier. He's a guy who is. He's 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 an excellent uh, fourth liner, slightly overpaid, but uh, he's uh, he's he's good at that. He's reliable. Uh, you know, other players you, you mentioned, uh, yeah, Timo Meyer's having a disappointing season for what the, the kind of player he can be, but yeah, Timo is uh, is the future of the Sharks. Uh, he and, and Thomas Hurdle are the future of the Sharks, and so you still, uh, you know, I think Timo has struggled a little bit th- this season. Uh, especially on the power play, it hasn't helped that uh, Meyer's been on San Jose's second unit, which is their, which is their, uh, their, 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 their weak unit uh, this year. But uh, he, he, he's a guy who looks like he's, he's finding his game. And let's see, LeBanc. LeBanc is a, is a very creative, uh, a high-end offensive player, uh, not great defensively. But he he is uh, I mean just to give you an idea of how good LeBanc ha- has been overall for the last couple of years. Uh, Kevin LeBanc last year he was on San Jose's first power play unit. This was a deep San Jose team last year. Uh, this he was on the first power play unit over much bigger names uh, over Gustav Nyquist, Joe Thornton, uh, Vander Kane. You know uh, he even kept uh, actually uh, Burns or Carlson off of the top power play unit too because. Um, instead of, you know, they're not usually going to line up Burns and Carlson together with LeBanc uh, up top on the power play, because that means Couture is not playing, and Couture is always going to be on, on, on your top power play unit. And so, anyway, what happened is, well, LeBanc was good enough on the top power play unit that he earned, he kept his spot there. And they would usually just have either Burns or Carlson up top. So, yeah, so those those are some of the, the, the med players on the Sharks, I guess. <laughs> When I say meh, I, I mean that they are, they're fine players, but they're not anybody who's going to really stand out, at least when you think of all the big names. And generally, mm-hmm. I guess it, they kind of remind me of a little bit of what Kyle Clifford is doing this year and what I, Alex Ayafalo does, like... A lot of the fan base kind of harps on Alex Iafalo and the things that he like he's not scoring or whatever. For the record, nobody on the Kings is scoring right now. Um, <laughs> but Alex Iafalo is another one of those like good foot soldier types. He goes in, he gets the puck, he retrieves the puck, and then he he sets up his teammates. Should he be on the first line? I don't know, but it seems it seems to work. So I say, why not do it? So it kind of reminds me, those kind of eh, players kind of remind me of, of that. Like the the foot soldiers, as you call them, the, the ones who will they, they work hard, but they're not they're not sexy in, in that sense of, you know, it's ooh look at this um, 
it's not Tomash Hurdle with the highlight reel goal between the legs scoring a top shelf goal to force Martin Biron into retirement. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, okay. Well, that's, that's uh, somewhat fair. I mean, guys like uh, Melker, like uh, Marcus Sorensen, like Patrick Marlowe now, uh, they're useful players, but yeah, they're not, they're not kind of a highlight grabbing players, but I will say though that, yeah, if you haven't seen them a lot, both Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc can very much be those players. Uh, LeBanc, like I said, is, uh, has earned his, his way onto San Jose's top power play unit. And he's a terrific passer. And so he, he, can, he can make plays like, well, like a, like a Joe Thornton could, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, so he's a guy that I think deserves a, a little more, um, maybe a little more watching. So. so Logan Couture is the captain. He has two game-winning goals in his last two games. Uh, Do the Sharks miss Joe Pavelski at all? Uh, for sure they do. Um, I, I think uh, what they miss uh, maybe more than just Pavelski himself is maybe the – well, what, what they're really missing is is just – and I keep harping on this, but they, I, I, the, what they're really missing is the middle six forward depth. Uh, last year, uh, they uh, during the summer, they lost Pavelski, they lost Nyquist, they lost Donskoy. They basically lost three top nine forwards three top nine quality forwards. Not a lot of teams could 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 uh, could could bear that loss and still be competitive. But the Sharks were so deep last year that that they still look pretty good going into the season. And just to illustrate how deep the Sharks were last year, last year the Sharks had nine 50-point-plus scorers, nine of them. No wow. other team in the league had more than five. So that's just, yeah, that just shows how deep they were. So they could afford to lose two of those 50-point scorers in uh, Pavelski and Nyquist and still look strong. But the problem was, uh, the problem this year is that, you know, plans, uh, you know, what they say about the best laid plans, they, they haven't quite worked out for the Sharks. Basically what happened this year is, you know, Hurdle, Kane, Couture, still pretty, pretty uh, uh, still, still pretty good. Uh, but LeBanc and Meyer have struggled a little bit to start the season. Um, maybe you can throw Couture in there too. Couture, I think, only had one goal in his first 15 games or so. But so, so, so the guys they're relying on struggle to start the season. But even more distressingly, though, they counted a lot on Joe Thornton uh, to still be the backbone of the third line. You know, Thornton doesn't look like like even Thornton of last year at this point. He's shown some flashes, but uh, not as reliably as he did last year. He does not look like a, a, a strong third-line center right now. So once Thornton's game isn't quite there, that affects Sorensen because he Thornton and Sorensen have played together uh, a, a lot over the, last couple, over the last couple of years. And so... Basically, you've become a, like I said, you've become a, a, a two-line team, which San Jose is right now, in my opinion, a two-line team with a bunch of guys who are, you know, uh, and there's nothing wrong with the fourth liner. You can have, there's good fourth liners and there's bad fourth liners. Mm-hmm. So I will say that, I will I will add that a guy like Michael Carlson, I think, is a good fourth liner. Uh, a guy like uh, uh, Patrick Marlowe, who is, you know, he's obviously not the Patrick Marlowe of old, but he can still play. He can still help you, and he can still do a good job in, in, in a bottom six role, uh, which he has done. 
And it's not his his fault that he's up there playing on the first and second line. That's more to do with uh, personnel. That's that's not that's not him. That's not that's not Marlowe. He's doing his his best. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's that's I think sort of uh, what's happened with San Jose uh, uh, this year. I think they were hoping that they could get another year out of Joe Thornton, and Thornton would you know raise Sorensen's boat a bit because Sorensen is. Is is uh, I think a guy who has the talent to be a good third line player, but just hasn't quite clicked yet this year, and so so that's so 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 we've had that, and also too of course you know with, with all these names I mentioned, uh, just one injury and 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 everything becomes a mess, just like the the Sharks have just lost Hurdle, and that's kind of put everything. You know, uh, uh, er, er, everything in, in, into 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 a blunder. You know, we have a uh, Barkley Gaudreau last night playing second line center. Uh, Patrick Marlowe back in the top six, and these guys are are are, are doing their best. Uh, they're good foot foot soldiers, but the Sharks definitely need a, a talent up front. Is that potentially something that they'll be looking at towards the trading deadline? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Peter DeBoer has run eleven forwards and seven defensemen in the last two uh, two games. Uh, Peter DeBoer has said in in uh, in pressers, uh, a reporter asked him, you know, what do you uh, do? You, you know, did you do you feel like there are other options out there for you on your fourth line? You know, referring to players in the AHL, that sort of thing. And DeBoer said, uh, you know, we've looked, we we, we we'll look at anything. <laughs> so that's 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 uh how do you say it uh, that's uh that's a signal of a coach who is crying to his front office for for help <laughs> so um yeah so so they they are in the market they're looking the problem is that uh, they don't have uh, first round picks to trade uh, they traded them for uh, Kane and, and Carlson. Um, and also, too, they don't have uh, what anyone would consider, I guess, the the most premium of prospects. And also, too, uh, they're, they're younger players, you know, talented players, but they don't look ancient already either. You know, there's, there's nothing in the farm system now that, that looks like they can step right in and, and help this year. At least not at this point. You know, guys do figure things out in season, but... At this moment, uh, the farm system doesn't look like they're going to offer much, much help in terms of middle six forward help for San Jose. So they're in a tough place. You know, I think teams know that they kind of have them over the barrel right now. And so I don't think the Sharks will find a, a, a good trade uh, at, at maybe at the moment. And of course, also, too, they're kind of up against the cap. So, <laughs> so they have a lot working against them right now. As a cap team, but they're in kind of a, I don't know, a medium-sized market being in the Bay Area. Um, what are the prospects of them just kind of tearing it all down and starting over and just rebuilding the whole thing from the ground up? Um, you know, we've seen like with, with the Kings, right? Like there's an argument to to do that earlier, so then you don't have seasons like last year. Uh, and I think that San Jose is in that place in terms of how old the team is and that sort of thing, where that has to be something that uh, is 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 worth considering. But they have more, even more invested than 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 the Kings, I think, in terms of just the long term contracts. And so it makes sense for them at this point to 
to try to get the most they can out of out of what they have. You know, try to get the the most they can out of uh, Eric Carlson's uh, leftover, presumably prime years of guys like Vlasic and Burns, and see if they can make another uh, run or two. So they're still kind of holding out hope for that last year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they just signed Eric Carlson to an eight-year deal in July. So <laughs> so Lord. I think they only see themselves <laughs> as as still uh, relevant. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how accurate that, 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 that forecast is. Um, you know, in terms of their, their young players, you know, they, they, they do have, uh, some, some hope, uh, with, you know, Hurdle, Meyer and LeBanc, you know, that's not a bad start to, to a group up front. And if they get solid play from their three expensive defensemen, Carlson, Burns and Vlasic, and they get average goaltending from Jones, you know, they, 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 they can still be a threat. It all hinges on that goaltending, huh? <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, you know, like like I said, San Jose was such a deep team last year. If they got average goaltending, goaltending from Jones, they probably would have won a division, and that would have made you know maybe easier playoff matchups for them, and you know they, they would have made maybe made it easier for them to so they wouldn't you know maybe they wouldn't have gotten so banged up going to the conference finals uh, last year if they had a, a easier path to the playoffs. So yeah, you know, a, a goaltender can 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 change everything. A great one, an average one, yeah. So <laughs> uh, that that is very true. Twenty twelve quick says hello. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. <laughs> he, he basically stole them the cup that year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, going back to that, the teams, the the, the Kings back then, they were uh, a great defensive team too, and so I think that that helped uh, that helped quick a lot too, a, a bunch. Yeah, Quick is not... I looked it up before the game yesterday. Quick has like an 850-something save percentage, so things are not going very well in Los Angeles right now. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, at, at, yeah, at least, though, it seems like uh, uh, you guys have a lot of uh, interesting prospects, though. So, yeah, you've got a good system. So, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe in a year or two, so... Yeah, although I do have... Well, the big talk right now is Cal Peterson. He started like, I think it was 21 or 22 straight games. And mm -hmm. the rain are bad. Like, mm -hmm. I thought the Kings were bad, but the rain are really bad. They give up an average of almost 38 shots. That's not shot attempts. That is shots on goal every game. So Cal Peterson has to face approximately 40 shots every mm -hmm. 60 minutes. That's insane. Yeah, I thought the rain would be better. I, I watched them. Uh, I watched them early in the season when they played the Barracuda. They they also. I mean, I guess this happens a lot in the AHL. You know, they have a lot of talent, but they're younger players that maybe don't play defense that well. <laughs> and so maybe maybe that's that's uh that's the rain's problem now that's the barracuda's problem right now they have a young players young forwards uh legitimate talent legitimate scoring talent but still got to play defense yeah their their top prospect tobias bjornfoot um they're keeping a really close eye on him right now he did start the year in los angeles but he definitely looked like he was struggling to keep up with the pace and just read the not 
he didn't struggle to read plays, but it looks like the the pace of play was just a little overwhelming. It's just a touch too fast for him, mm-hmm. which, you know, he's 18 years old. That's not necessarily a bad thing. So he's uh, definitely down in Ontario getting his his due diligence, his licks in. But he's he's a really interesting prospect, and we're hoping for good things for him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, any, anybody who's 18 who uh, can't even make the NHL, uh, you know, who look good enough in preseason to even uh, get a look, uh, that's that's a guy that is uh, definitely some some someone that sh- you should be able to build on. So that's that's. Uh, I watched uh, Bjorn Foot uh, when uh, when uh, they played the Barracuda. He he looked head and shoulders above everybody that game. Yeah, he's he's a really exciting. He. He reminds me a lot of Willie Mitchell in that he's not the flashiest player, but he knows how to use his body so well, and he knows how to read the play. So, like, this is Sarah. This is something that Sarah and I, I just like, I every time we're on a podcast, I cry about this, and I'm like, Willie Mitchell, please come back and teach our children how to defense <laughs> because he was so good. He was so smart. And that was, that's the thing I always talk about. It's like, yes, you can be fast. Yes, you can be physical. That doesn't really matter that much. But it's your, your ability to read plays, a la Willie Mitchell. I mean, Willie Mitchell really was the backbone of the 2014 Kings team. I mean, shout out to Robin Regeer for getting hurt and all and forcing Willie Mitchell to play injured. But his ability to read plays to time his gap control, and I forgot who I was talking to about this, but the Kings have a lack of gap control this year. And I think part of it stemmed a little bit from having to, well, um, having those coaches who didn't really know what they were doing. Uh, I mean, that's that's not to disparage uh, John Stevens. He just... He's he's one of the most brilliant defensive coaches in the NHL. It just for whatever reason his whole and his whole head coach the uh, didn't work out uh, unfortunately. And then Willie Desjardins was definitely brought in to help the tank. Um, but I mean Willie Desjardins didn't really seem to have any kind of plan, and so there was no gap control. There was no defense. Everybody was just kind of on their own. And so this is something that I always talk to Sarah about, and I'm like. This is what I loved about Willie Mitchell. It's because he was so smart and all of his teammates always talked about how brilliant he was. So like if you asked him the time of day, he wouldn't give you like the actual time. He would like dive into this like deep philosophical conversation and you just like have your entire mind blown. And that's why I say like that's the crux to what made Dowdy such a good defenseman. It was coming up and playing with Willie Mitchell. So I'm always like... I see a lot of Willie Mitchell in Bjornfoot. It's it's the ability to read plays. It's the ability to kind of understand what's going on. Now it's just the physical component of putting it all together at once. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean every winning team needs a player or two like Willie Mitchell, and um, it's a shame that his you know career kind of uh, he wasn't able to play as many games as he should have because of injury. I miss him, <laughs> if you couldn't tell. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> I think uh, I think I think any team misses him, right? Guys like uh, well, Matt Green, Scuderi, when uh, when he was uh, a little bit younger, right, in 2012. So guys like that, they're all kind of uh, you know they're the players that the stats don't always love, but um, they're they're glue players. They're absolutely necessary players. Yeah, that's what I've heard a lot about um, Mayor's Manor. He he's always talking about how much this team misses those core guys of uh, Mitchell and Green and I forget who else he's talking about. Um, I guess there's something that we don't really see from the outside that these guys really have a big impact, at least on some of the younger players as the rosters turn over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, you know. I mean, I, 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 I'm, in, I'm, I'm in the, the room talking to the players regularly, but... It doesn't really mean I'm in the room, so it's 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 hard for me to to quantify. But I I believe it when they say a guy like say a Mac Green, you know, absolutely, you know, indispensable in terms of just uh, uh, lo- locker room chemistry, you know, stuff like that. That stuff is is important. I I can't tell you how much it is. That's not something that I'm can't see on the ice. I can tell on the ice, but the the guys who say it are the guys who are winning. And so it's it seems like that is indeed a relevant thing. Yep. So uh, just one one last question and then I'll let you go. Um, So we haven't really talked about the power play. Their power play looks like the Sharks power play uh, looks like it is struggling a little bit. It's 20th in the league, which isn't great. It's not terrible, but. With the amount of talent they have, I would think that their power play would be better. It's been uh, on a little bit of a of a cold snap recently, but uh, a part of it too is the I alluded to this earlier the disparity between their first and second units. Uh, not to just put it all on jumble, it's not fair, but just a uh, uh, just a couple of choice stats that, that that I looked up uh, recently. Um, and, and using a, a Logan Couture as a proxy because uh, Thornton and, and Couture don't play uh, much on the power play together. So on on ice, uh, Couture, uh, the the goals per sixty at five on four are uh, nine nine point four. Uh, for Thornton, uh, goals per sixty five on four is four point five. And that's a pretty big difference. You know, that's basically saying that the, the first power play unit is scoring double the second part is, you know, producing at double the rate. And this wasn't the case last year. Last year, Couture and Thornton, uh, their on-ice 5-on-4 numbers were uh, pretty close to the same. 8.13 for Couture last year, 7.69 for Thornton. You know, suggesting that both units last year were kind of holding, uh, carrying their weight. Uh, this year, uh, not so much the case. Uh, so yeah, I, but I, I think too that uh, there is a lot of talent there, but you know you're missing a guy like Hurdle now, and so that's that that's 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 tough. And so you're pushing guys up. Like I said, the 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 lack again, lack of lack of forward depth, right? So right now the the you know you, you can put out a pretty good first unit if you're San Jose. Uh, they have Kane net front. They'll they'll have uh, with Hurdle hurt. They'll have Meyer and Kane doing net front and slot. They have Couture and LeBanc at the flanks. Carlson and Burns up top. So that's a pretty good start, right? But then their second unit though, uh, we're looking at uh, Thornton. 
Uh, they'll put Burns and Carlson on 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 that too. So that's 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 okay. That's a good start. But then you have Dylan Gambrell. You have Patrick Marlowe. Uh, I think the last game they had Tim Heed on it too. So it's really kind of a a, a jumbo, you know, uh, not a jumbo, a jumbo <laughs> after uh, <laughs> after the top power play unit. So that, I think that's that's part of the problem. But of course, all these things are kind of cyclical too. Uh, their their power play unit was humming just a few games ago, and so it it should it should get back on track soon. I don't see anything uh, 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 disturbingly problematic about it, except for the fact that they're missing uh, Thomas Hurdle, who is their best forward. Well, on the bright, well, at least for Kings set Kings fans, that should be a slight bright bright point because Thomas Hurdle has the tendency to terrorize the kings and make them look silly <laughs> right and you know any game that hurdle can miss uh against dustin brown too is probably uh, <laughs> a sigh of relief for charts fans i guess in in, in some way so <laughs> oh boy thank thanks or a reminder watching. of that memories <laughs> oh we're not gonna get into that um <laughs> any any predictions for what we're gonna see on the ice monday night um, you know, I haven't seen the Kings enough, so I'm 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 curious to watch them. They suck. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I watch them in 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 uh, in statues uh, 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 here and there when I can. I've seen some interesting things though. Like, is Kopitar playing the point on the power play a lot? Uh, I think that just started because. Okay, I thought he's... I saw that a few games ago, and I I I, I thought that was very interesting. So. So that's that. That's different. Yeah. Well. Um, okay. So originally they had Adrian Kempe still at center, and then they kept mm-hmm. putting Kopitar like on the wings on the power play, and I'm like, this isn't working. And Jeff Carter was also on the wings, and mm-hmm. so finally, uh, last game, I think it was last game or the game before that, uh, Kempe finally switched back to wing. Carter switched back to center, and magically things were a whole lot better. I think this was mm-hmm. two games ago. So, yeah. Yeah, well, Kempe at wing was something that uh, uh, I wouldn't say that I was harping on, but that I always thought that he he would fit better at, at wing, uh, even back to 2015-16 when he, uh, his first year in Ontario. But anyway, though, so if, if they're going, going, going with that, finally, I, I'd like to see how, how he does. Yeah, Adrian's an interesting guy. Like, uh, so much talent, um, but just hasn't been able to put it together, huh? Yeah, it's. I don't. I think he's a really good third liner. I I think he's not quite good enough to play. He's one of those cases where you need somebody who's good enough to play with him and to help him elevate his game. I think kind of like a Sorensen situation. So, Uh you know, you need somebody who's really good, who can help him elevate his game. Um, But if you stick him with players like Kyle Clifford and you stick him with grinders, then his game is going to suffer. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that 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 might be the case. Um, so yeah, no, I, I'm curious to to watch him. Uh, also curious to watch uh, Dowdy. Uh, there was a really good article that I don't know if you you saw uh, on the on the site uh, the Point Hockey about how Dowdy uh, is uh, playing differently this year. Oh yeah, and you know that Dowdy is not doing uh, or is not going uh, coast to coast as much, not doing as much end to end rushes, and it's because McClellan wants him to 
to play uh, in a way more conservative defensively, be more last man back defensively. Um, so that's a really interesting article if you if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, the the point hockey, and so so I want to see I want to see some of that. See see how that's going. I also want to watch the Foley too because I was interested in him being scratched, and obviously he's uh, he's going to walk this year. So he's definitely a guy that I know the Sharks and Kings don't make a lot of trades, but Sharks need forwards. The Kings need you know need to get rid of contracts. So you should <laughs> so in the words of Bob Knob two point <laughs> and I may have inserted an L instead of an R, <laughs> as he does occasionally. Um, no, uh, this is another thing that Sarah and I always talk about. Like, no, you you leave our son alone. You you can't have Toffoli. <laughs> um, it would be a shame to see Toffoli walk because he's been such a big part of this team. Um, I don't know why he was scratched because at the time that he was scratched, I took a look at his underlying Corsi numbers. His shooting percentage is right in line with his career average. He's taking a lot of shots. He's, you know, he's taking, he's generating a lot of chances. And this is a big thing that I forgot who I was talking to about this, but here's the thing about Toffoli's game. He is a rebound man. He actually is the best on the team at creating rebounds. So anybody who remembers the 2014 Stanley Cup game-winning goal, what he did is he shot to the far pad, which allowed Martinez in overtime to shoot to uh, to to bury that puck in the net. And that that is like a key part of Toffoli's game. He that's how he generates offense, and it frustrates me so much. If you couldn't tell, that people are like Toffoli does nothing. I'm like no. Watch the stupid game. You'll see what he does. And he does this on purpose. He's out there creating rebounds. So that, because the rebounds, if you're just shooting into the goalie's crest or you're just shooting into the pads, like, chances are you're not going to create a good scoring chance. A rebound causes chaos. And it gives your team a good opportunity to try and score. So, I mean, that's a really big part of his team. And I would be really sad to see him leave because honestly, there's nobody in Ontario who can really replicate what Toffoli brings to this team. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm actually ha- haven't observed that with the rebounds, his ability, but that's something that I like to watch. So that is actually a kind of a, uh, uh, how do you say that? that? That that would be very underappreciated kind of thing. That is kind of worth uh, would actually fit in well with a lot of teams. Actually, like San Jose, that like to uh, attack the net. A lot of their offense is traffic forwards going to the net. So a guy like the Foley might fit in well. <laughs> You're breaking my heart, Shang. Well, uh, maybe uh, you can draft a new Tyler to Foley with a second round pick that you'll get with him. <laughs> uh, maybe considering that he was. Actually, so it's rumored that the uh, the Sabres are looking at Toffoli and that he could wind up in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, for a team where the Kings are right now in, in their building, uh, unfortunately, a guy like Toffoli uh, doesn't seem necessary. So that's that's just the, the, the business part of it. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we could talk endlessly about sharks and kings, but uh, I think we should stop now. (laughs) Uh, Shang, thank you again so much for joining me today. And it'll be an interesting game since you are now the enemy, or at least covering the enemy. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, well, I still have a, a lot of uh, love. Actually, uh, someone uh, uh, someone uh, posted on one of my stories of Fear to Finn, and not somebody that I know, and actually a Sharks fan that said that he had been reading me all the way back uh, to the Jules days. And I Ooh. thought, oh, that, that's, that's, that's nice. <laughs> you have a cult so. following, Shang. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Robin. All right, have a good one, Shang. Yep.